Cool. So, so for the past for the past three or four months, um, in this uh, role of, of acting senior pastor, I've been thinking a lot about the church, right? And I've been thinking about the church in in maybe a a different way to how I've thought about church previously. And, and, and one of the things I've been thinking about in terms of the church is is I've been asking myself a really simple but complex question: What is the church? Right? Like, why are we here? What 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 do we exist for? What 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 do we what do we what do we need to do? And, and, and some of you will know I've, I've kind of come up with this phrase that captures a bit of it, but definitely not all of it, that I think church is about meeting with God and following Jesus. That, that church is about, and a moment on, on Sunday when we gather together corporately and we can meet God in a way that we can't in our day to day. That we can meet God together, that we can encounter Him, that, that we can meet God in, in the praise and worship, that we can meet God in the preaching, that we can meet God in, in talking out in the foyer afterwards, that we can meet God in a cup of coffee. I know I've met God in a cup of coffee before. Right? Hey, one before service, you made it. I, I saw Jesus, right? But, but then we, we, we meet God, but then we need to take this, this meeting with God, this revelation, this realization that God is for us and amazing and wants to change our lives and our world. And we need to follow Jesus, right? Sunday needs to be more than just Sunday. It needs to be more than just a, a one-off moment in the week where we have a realization and then we shelve our realization and only take it off again on Sunday. But it needs to be a, a following Jesus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day that, that we have this, this realization and we're moving towards it. And to follow Jesus, we need each other. Right, to follow Jesus, I need to come to church on a Sunday, have a word spoken and go, man, I need to make this change in my life. I need to start doing this. I need to stop doing this. Then I need to turn to my friend and say, I'm going to make this change. And they need to stand with me during the week. They need to give me a text or a phone call on Wednesday and say, Jono, you said you were going to pray for an extra 10 minutes a day. How's it going? Have you, have you made progress? Oh, you did it on Monday, didn't do it on Tuesday. Today's a new day. You're 50-50, you're, you're halfway there. Keep on pushing. Amazing things are in store for you. Right there is a church that we meet with God and we follow Jesus. But at the same time, I, I've been reading and, and, and I, I found this scripture that I think is, is really interesting. Right? If you've got your Bible, turn with me uh, to, to the book of Ephesians. We're going to read chapter 5. And, and, and I want to read this scripture. And it's interesting because you'll typically hear this portion of scripture I'm going to read. In, in like premarital or, or relational counseling, right? It's, it's one of those ones that I, I don't think you often hear preached on because it's kind of, it, it's got some facets to it. And, and it's definitely got some stuff in it that, that, that is helpful for relationships and, and for, you know, marriage counseling and all that kind of thing. But there's, there's also something else going on here. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 32. We're going to chuck it up on the screen. I'm reading from the message version. And it goes like this. Wives, there's a gasp, right? <laughs> Don't worry, we'll, we'll get there, right? Wives, understand and support your husbands in the ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way that Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. Cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring out the best of her. 
dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are a part of his body. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Why don't you bow your heads with me and let's pray. God, I thank you for, for church, God. I thank you for this family, God. I thank you for this, this army, God. I thank you for this body, God. I thank you for this bride, that, that we get together together as your people and have a relationship with you in a way that, that we can never fully understand. God, I pray that as we're here and as we're looking at, at what it means to be your church, God, that you would speak to us in a new way. God, that it wouldn't be my words, that it wouldn't be my effort, but that you would speak directly to our hearts, God, that we would go out of here knowing that we met with you, knowing that we gazed on the face of a God who loves us, created us, and has a hope and a future for us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your hope. In Jesus' name, amen. So some of you will know that um, uh, I grew up in church, right? What I mean by grew up in church is my dad was a minister. My dad is a minister. We were down uh, in Christchurch uh, on Christmas, for Christmas, and, and I had the privilege of speaking at their Christmas service, which was weird. I always get super nervous speaking in front of my parents. I don't know why. I just do. I'm like, ah, well, I'm going to tell a story, and they're like, it's wrong. I'm going to be like, I'm going to say a scripture, and they're like, well, that, you didn't live that out when you were a teenager, did you? Oh, yeah. They know me, right? But um, I, I grew up in church, and, and it was interesting. When we were down in Christchurch, Dad was just, you know, um, I get the gift of the gab from my dad. Uh, and so he was telling some stories. We, we, uh, sometimes there's no pause for breath when we have conversations. It's just I have a constant stream of words, and then Dad takes over, and then I sub in, and it's just, it's just words for a long, long time, right? And M and my, uh, my mom sit in a corner, and they're like, hoy, let's go. Let's go do something else. This is too, too much. Right, but he was telling me about uh, growing up, I used to have an interesting relationship with church, right? When I was about uh, three or four, what used to happen is we used to have church in a school hall like this, and so people would set up the chairs, and, and people would be setting up the chairs, and I was never a very helpful child. Some would say, this, this hasn't changed much, right? But I try. Um, and, and so what I would do while they were setting up the chairs is I would get up on stage, and I would pull one of the chairs, and I would pull it behind the pulpit. We had like a big wooden pulpit, and I would stand on this chair behind the pulpit, and I, I was kind of that age, maybe I was just developmentally delayed, that I didn't really speak in words, right? And, and so I just kind of make noises and I would bash the pulpit. So I'd be like, and Dad was like, I don't know why, because I never bashed the pulpit. You never saw anyone bash the pulpit. You just had this like, ah, this is what you do. Maybe I caught some TD Jakes somewhere in there. They that's for a video or something. But then, right, then I would go home. And on the way home, we'd drive past a park. And in this park, for some reason, there was always a, an assembly of seagulls. And I'd point out the window without fail, apparently, every time we drove past the park. But like, look, Mom, Dad, the, the seagulls are having church, right? And then I'd get home, and I'd go into the, the, um, the lounge, and I'd pull out my box of Duplo, and I'd get out my Duplo characters, and I'd line them all up, and then I'd stand in front of them. We'd have church just one more time, because you need to have church as many times as possible in one day, right? Right, I grew up in church, right? Monday we'd have like a, a 
core team meeting. Tuesday, there'd be like a, an e-group. Wednesday, there'd be like Bible study. Thursday, there'd be like a, a music practice. Friday, there'd be youth group. Saturday, we'd have like a church social gathering because it's not like you just saw each other every dang night of the week. And then Sunday, we'd have church, right? I want to encourage you, don't, don't overcommit to church, right? There's a space for you to serve, a space for you to belong. You do need some friends outside of here because we are meant to tell the good news to someone else, right? But, um, you know, I, I grew up in church. And one of the things that I've realized in, in growing up in church is that it, it's really easy to, to, to forget how to be the church and end up just doing church, it's really easy to, to be caught in doing church and so caught up in doing church that we forget to be the church. See, maybe you're here this morning and, and you're going, you know, what exactly is the church? You know, it's interesting that the earliest church is, is found in the New Testament and, and it was called the Ecclesia. And the Ecclesia is basically just the Greek word for an assembly of people, right? Because here's the thing, church is not a place. Church is not a building. Church is not a location. Church is not equipment. Church is not chairs. Church is not lights. Church is not a screen or a band. Church is us, right? Church is people. When, 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 we, when we leave this place, we take the church with us. And so in, in, in Ephesians, there's this idea, right? And in fact, all throughout the Bible, we, we read about the ecclesia. And, and we, we find that there are a lot of different metaphors for the church, right? Paul especially, he likes to use different metaphors to describe the church. Paul uses the metaphor that the church is the, the body of Christ, right? That, that every one of us has a function, that as we serve, we operate as the body of Christ. He, he also talks about the idea that, that the church is the building of Christ, that, that you and I, we're living stones being laid upon one another to form a home for, for God in us and, and around us. But one of the most peculiar metaphors, I think, in the Bible of the church is this one we find in, in Ephesians chapter 5, that, that you and I, we're called to be the bride of Christ, that together and individually, that corporately and, and in our personal responsibility, that, that Paul and, and God through Paul refers to us, refers to the church as the bride of Christ, the, the bride of, of Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to unpack really quickly three reasons and three results of those reasons that God refers to us that God refers to the church as the bride of Christ, right? Because there's something to this. There's something to this metaphor. There's a reason that it's used. And we hear a lot about why we're a body. And we hear a lot about why we're a, a building. And those are important. But, but at the same time, why does Paul refer to the church as the bride of Christ? So if you're taking notes uh, this morning, the first reason uh, that, that Paul refers to the church as the bride of Christ is found in Ephesians. He says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. So the, the first reason that God calls us the church, his bride, is intimacy. See, I, I believe that the first reason that we're called the bride is because God wants intimacy with you and I, right? And, and maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, Jonah, this is getting kind of weird, right? Like the bride of Christ that, so we're meant to be corporately married to God. I don't really feel like God, I don't want God to like romance me. What's God going to do? Is he going to show up at like underneath my bedroom window and he's going to have like a, a boom box and he's going to pick it up, right? Some of you know the movie I'm referring to. Some of you don't. You're like, what are you talking about? Right? Is he going to show up? Is he going to knock on our door and he's going to be like, hey, I got you some roses, right? Is, is he, is he going to take us on a date? Is he going to take us on a picnic? What, what, what is this? Is, is this kind of, 
right? But at the same time, there's, this isn't a, a literal, right? God's not going to try and romance you. God loves you, but in, in a much larger way than romantic love, right? But there's something in here because Paul is trying to use this, this language, this, this metaphor to describe how God wants to relate to us. See, real intimacy is all about trust. See, see I, I love all of you. Right? I, I want the best for you. And in fact, I, I daily pray for this church and, f- and for pretty much all of you as individuals. Right? But because there's something in my heart and I find that as I pray that I, I start to like you more and more. It's not to say I didn't like you much at the start, but you know, just, it's a work in me. Anyway, I like you all. That's the point of that. Right? But I don't think any of you would be offended if, if in the foyer or in this space here, you, know, you were standing there and you were chatting away to someone and maybe Emma was next to you and I, I walk up to Emma and I give her a peck on the lips and then I turn to you and I don't kiss you, right? I, I don't think any of you are going to be like, well, Jono, I feel like this is unfair. You're treating Emma in a different way to which you're treating me. I would like my kiss, please. I feel like I'm being excluded in this relationship, Right, if you said that to me, we would have to have a discussion, and it would be an awkward and weird discussion. So please don't. Right, because here's the thing: I love all of you, but the love that I have for Emma is different. Right, who knows that I know Emma in a different way to the way that I know you guys? Right, I understand Emma in a in a different way to the way that that I understand you. Right. See, see, maybe in this analogy here, front row, eh? <sighs> Taking applications for new people to sit in the front row. Goodness. See, see, what if God is saying in this, in this metaphor, what if God is saying in this analogy that he wants to know you and I in a different way? That he wants to know us in a way that, that other people don't know us? That he wants to know us in a more intimate way? What if God is inviting you to know him in a different way, in an intimate way, in a way that's full of trust? Right? How many of you know when you get married, pretenses drop? Or stripped away. Either way, after a while, pretenses is gone, right? And when you're dating someone, you, you, you date the uh, projected self often, right? And, and you know, you're, you're, you're courting someone and you're having a conversation. You're like, what's your favorite color? They're like, blue. You're like, my favorite color is blue as well. Like, what's your favorite food? Pizza. I love pizza, right? Then you're on the phone. Maybe some of you have done this, right? You're on the phone. It's late at night. Okay. Yeah, babe. I'm, I'm going to go to sleep. Okay, okay, you hang up first. Okay, okay, ready? No, we'll hang up at the same time. Okay, okay, ready? Three, two, one. You still there? Yeah. Right, and then you just, you know, falling asleep on the phone. There's, there's a great, she had the, the poet lyric called, I want a large phone bull type of love. You know, like, ah, oh, teenage love, right? And then you get married, right? And you're like, babe, what do we want for dinner? Should we have pizza? I hate pizza. Babe, I'm, I'm going to paint this wall. I'm going to paint it blue because that's how I got. I hate blue, right? You get into bed. You're like, babe, how's your... <sighs> right? Things change. It's not our relationship, obviously. It's just a metaphor to understand projected versus actual. But here's the thing. God doesn't want a relationship with your projected self. God doesn't want a relationship with, with the self that you put forward that looks good, that pretends to like pizza, that, that makes up the way that we are and pretends that we are different things. God wants a relationship with the actual you, with the real you, with the, the you that, that has cracks and has flaws. And, and God looks at them and, and, and loves you for them. God says, sure, we'll work on them. Sure, we'll work through them. But I love you in them and because of them. And we know that God couldn't love us any more than he does right now. 
See, if, if the first reason that God calls us his bride is, is for intimacy, because he wants an intimate relationship with us, then the first result is that the church becomes all about God. See, when we gather, we gather to remind ourselves of who God is. We're to align ourselves with him. We're to, to praise and worship, right? That's why we start the service with praise and worship. It's not a concert for you and I. It's a moment for us to realize, to realign, to remind ourselves we are gathered here to worship and to praise God. We're here to meet people. We're here for a relationship. We're here to have a good time, drink amazing coffee, jump up and down, get our cardio in for the week. But mainly, we're here to meet with God corporately in a way that we can't at home, in a way that we can't our own. We're here to, to receive a corporate blessing, to, to seek God together. We're worshiping our God because how many of you know that when we praise God, when we bless God, it changes things? When, when David said in, in Psalm chapter 34, verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his holy name. He was talking about the idea of, of telling stories that glorify, right? This is what he means by, by magnifying. What are we magnifying today? You know, when we gather together as a church, are we magnifying God? Are we seeking God? Is our attention on God? Are we telling stories that glorify God? Are we, are we spreading the news of who God is? Or are we sitting here, and if we're honest with ourselves, we're magnifying our problems. Man, how am I going to solve that? What do I have to do when I go back to work on Monday? Oh, I still haven't finished unpacking the garage. Right? I haven't done this. Where are the kids? Did I check the kids into the kids' program? Do I have children? What, what am I? Right? What are we magnifying? What's, what's our attention on? That's why we start with praise and worship, so that we can deliberately take a moment to be like, oh, yeah, Jono, remember, you're here for God. God's saying something. Lean in and listen, or else you'll miss it. See, so if the first reason that God calls the church his bride is because he wants an intimate relationship with us, personally and corporately, and the result of that is when we gather together, we focus on God, the second reason that, that God calls us his bride is protection. Everyone say protection. See, I, I think that in this metaphor that God is saying he is protecting the church, right? And I, I'm just going to take it aside for a minute because I know some of you, since the moment I read that scripture, you, you heard me read the bit about wives submitting to your husbands and you were like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about this. I did not know that was in the Bible. Maybe I'll have to check in my Christian card, right? Because it's a, it's a contentious Scripture, right? It's, it's a portion of Scripture that, that's contentious for a, a whole bunch of reasons, right? It's controversial because people have taken the Scripture and they've misused it, right? This, the Scripture has been taken and it's been, been meant to be, woman, you have to be subservient, right? I'm a man, and so whatever I say, woman, you must do because it says in the Bible that wives must submit to your husbands, and I'm a man, so I'm everyone's husband, so submit to me. Right, but it's important to note that, that here in the Scripture, that the leadership it refers to is a leadership that is not domineering, but cherishing. And that men are called to go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving and not getting. And then if we read earlier in verse 21, that both husbands and wives are called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, then if we come up to this question of who's the boss, right? Do I get to tell Emma that she must load the dishwasher? And can I say it's because the Bible says? Right? If that's the question, the answer is no one is the boss. 
right? Because here's the thing, such a relationship that's being described here in Ephesians could only be characterized by humility and respect with both partners imitating Christ, who time and time again voluntarily placed himself in a position of submission, right? Within the church, women should not have to pry equality from the group of men. Women should not have to to rail for their rights. For those who follow Jesus, authority should be surrendered and shared willingly with the humility and the love of Jesus, or else we miss the radical teaching that slaves and masters, parents and children, husbands and wives, rich and poor, healthy and sick, should all submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right? This isn't a portion of Scripture that excuses us from treating others poorly or as less or domineering over them. Right? It's, it's a portion of Scripture that's meant to be an analogy that pulls us together and points us to how we should relate to God. Is that all right? I know, it's a, I know it's a scripture that gets under people's skin, and I know maybe that wasn't enough for you. If you want to discuss it afterwards, we totally can. But if you've got concerns about it, put them on the shelf for now, because I don't want you to miss the, the other metaphor that's going on here, what God's saying about us corporately, right? Because Paul is writing to say that Christ loved the church so much that he died for it. Right now, now if you look at me, you're probably thinking, uh, you're probably looking at, looking at me and you're thinking to yourself, now that Jono, he's a very muscular man. Probably when I got up on stage, you looked at me and you said, ah, oh, such pronounced triceps. Those, those, those guns, wow, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I'll just pause, you can take a photo if you want. Put it, as, put it on Instagram, New Year's goals, get your arms like this. It's all right, it's all right guys. It's, oh, I'm sorry. There's, I'm causing some of you to cover it. Right, you're probably thinking, man, if I was walking down a dark street at night, you only have dark streets during the day, I would not want to get on the wrong side of that man, right? That's the type of man that if there were fisticuffs in a bar, he's the type of man that I would want on my side. And I hate to, to let you down, but I want to inform you, you don't, right? I may look like a fighter, but I am not. I am a lover. Right? I don't like, I don't like fighting people for, for two reasons, really, right? When they, when they hit you, it hurts you. And I find that when I hit people, it hurts me still, right? I'm like, well, how does this, you hit me, it hurts my face. I hit you, I hurt my hand, and you look like you're fine. This is not my, my cup of tea, right? I don't want to fight. It's just, I'll just say mean words and then run away very quickly. That was my, my strategy at high school. It didn't really work. Right, but, but here's the thing, right? I, I, might not, I might not be a fighter, but it, when I'm walking down the street, if I'm walking down the street with Emma and a man bumps into her in, in what I perceive as the wrong way, something in me awakens, right? And I, grab, I grab Emma, I'm like, babe, did he bump into you? Babe, did, did, he, did he hit you? Babe, did he? And he has to hold me back, which she can because she's very strong, right? Or because I'm not that strong. But she holds me back and I'm like, oh man, you're lucky that my wife is holding me back because I would have some, at least some very strong words with you. Like, excuse me, sir, please watch where you're walking a little bit more next time because you, thank you. Right, here's the thing. I, I might not be a fighter. I might be, not be naturally inclined to, to fighting, but, but if you you endanger my wife. If, if, you, if I feel like you're going to hurt Emma, something primal in me awakens, right? Something feral. I will bite you and scratch at your eyes. Right? I'm like, I don't care about the rules. Someone at work told me if you put a bar of soap in a sock, it doesn't leave bruises. I'm coming for you. Work conversations are weird. Right, but, but here's the thing, right? Right smack in the middle of Ephesians chapter 5. 
I'll give you a moment. So the soap sock thing was too much, eh? Too far. I'll write a note for next time. <sighs> okay, we're good. We're good. See, see, right in the middle of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul gives the gospel. See, how do I know that God will protect you? How do I know that the reason God refers to you as a bride, the second reason is because he wants to protect you. The reason I know is because he already did. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he walked on the earth and he died a sinner's death. In fact, he died my death and your death on a cruel cross. And he died that death to take the punishment of our sin. He took the curse of sin. And when he died, his life all of a sudden protected you and I. So now today, you are called spotless. Now today, you are called blameless. Now today, you are called righteous, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. You're a spotless, blemish, free bride. It's called grace, and He protected you, right? And maybe you're here today, and you're going, Jono, that sounds absolutely unfair and wrong, because there's nothing I could do to, to earn this love of this God who would, who's so perfect and would protect me, and, and that's why we gather together. This is the scandal of our gospel, that God stepped into humanity and died for us, right? Because here's the thing. The second reason God calls us the the church his bride is because he wants to protect the church. He loves us. And because God is building his church. And it says in Psalms chapter 127, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. See, the the result of that is that when we gather together, when we gather together corporately, Because God protects us, protects us from our sin, from our iniquity, from our shame. Church becomes not just a ministry to God. It stays that first and foremost, but it also becomes a ministry to us, to believers. See, see, I love this because it means when we come to church, what I'm doing right now, when I'm I'm preaching, preaching simply means to proclaim. And and, and what we do on a Sunday is is people all over the world right now are are listening to someone open up God's word and then proclaim the truth of God. And and here's what I love. All of us can be on different places in our faith, right? All of us can be in different stages in our our walk with God and our journey of understanding who he is. But God is so big that he can speak to all of us sitting here, that all of us can be hearing the same message and God can speak everything intimately to each and every one of us. So church is about God, but it helps us because God has protected us from the penalty of our sins. We can meet with him and we can be built up by him at church. See, so if the first reason we're called the bride is for intimacy, right? And and that results in us focusing on God. And the second reason that we're called the bride is for protection. And that means that when we come to church, we can be edified. We can be built up because we're no longer under the weight of our sin and shame, but we can be reminded that God loves us and he's calling us to a different person, right? He's calling us into his preferred future for us. Then Paul continues to write, and and this is what he says in, in Ephesians chapter five, just as I get the band up. He says, no one abuses his own body, does he? No, he, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. 
This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it at all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. If you're taking notes, my third and final reason that we're called the bride is rights. Because of Jesus, we have rights. Because of Jesus, we are one with Jesus. What I mean by this is, is this reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He said, you and I, if we're willing to share in the suffering of Christ, we will also share in His glory. See, see here's the good news. Is, is when we come together as a church, because of Jesus, when we put our trust, when we put our faith in Him, all of a sudden, we obtain the rights of Jesus. See, what I mean by this is, is today, you sitting here, if you have a relationship with God, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you've accepted His sacrifice for your sins, if you've accepted that He died for you and it was for you and you've thanked Him and you choose to follow Him, today as you sit here in this building, you are in the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. So when you pray prayers, according to the book of James, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. See, I don't know about you, but today I'm thankful that I'm not standing in my righteousness. That I'm not standing here trying to convince God to listen to me because I'm a good enough man. Because I've done enough good things in my life that I deserve to be listened to. But that I'm standing in the righteousness of Jesus. That, that when I pray prayers, God hears the prayer of Jesus. Because I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb because I'm washed clean and I'm not perfect, right? This is the difference between sanctification and justification. We won't get into it, but, but we're not perfect, but we're walking towards it. We're on a journey, but God looks at us and He sees us as blameless. God looks at us and He sees us as perfect, set apart because He looks at us and He sees Jesus who died for us who died for our sin and our iniquity. See, we have rights today. And I want to challenge us because so often we hear this and we go, cool, that's fantastic for me. I have rights. That's fantastic for me. When I die, I'm assured of my, my salvation for eternity. That's fantastic for me. I know wherever I go, I can go as a son or a daughter of God. But here's the thing. We have rights. And because we have rights, it's time to rise up. Because God's given us rights so that we can go to bat for others. God has given us rights so that we can pray prayers for others. God has given us rights so that that person out there who is lost and alone and ashamed and who feels like crying out to God but they don't know how to, we can cry out for them and with them and as one with them, a part of them, saying, God, our city needs changing. God, our, our lives need changing. God, my, my workplace needs see, I. I know what God has done has been amazing, right? I know God has done amazing things in this church, but I, I wholeheartedly believe the best is yet to come because here's the thing. The third reason, the, the reason that God calls us the bride is because He has afforded us rights, the rights of Jesus. We are one with Jesus. And the result of that is that as we gather together, it's not just about focusing on God. It's not just the ministry to believers, to each other. It's not just building each other up. But when we gather together, it, it's an opportunity for us to minister to the world. Because here's the thing, that, that you and I, as we gather together on a Sunday, after that, we're supposed to scatter for the rest of the week. And we're supposed to be the church at work. 
We're supposed to be the church at school. We're supposed to, to be the church in our family. We're supposed to be the church in our friend group. We're supposed to be the church in our neighborhood. And it was Jesus who said, upon this rock, I will build my house and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And I don't know about you, but that picture gets me excited that we could be such a church, such a progressive church, such an aggressive church that we're literally rescuing people from hell. That we are raiding hell and saying, no, this person will not live a life of misery. This person will not live a life of hopelessness. This person will not live a life of hurt because we will step into their circumstances and we will bring heaven with us. We will step in and we are not saviors. We are not Christ. But as we step in, Christ moves with us and we can introduce someone to a God who we know has changed everything for us. See, here's the thing. We are called the bride because God wants an intimate relationship with us. That He's not a friend, that He's not distant, but that He knows us in a way that no one else does. We are called the bride because God has protected us from the penalty of sin. That He sees us and that He stands with us. That we need not live in fear, but we can know that we walk with the protection and the strength of God. But we are called the bride because we have rights. And with those rights come a responsibility that we are called to be Christ to our friends, to be Christ to our family, to stand and say, I am not the Savior, but I'm pointing the way to He who is. I can't save you, but I've been saved. I can't redeem you, but I've been redeemed. And I won't stand back because I have rights. And with these rights come a responsibility to say there's a God who loves you and who knows you and who wants to meet you here today. See, here's the thing. So often as church, we, we forget that we're not meant to just be doing church. We're meant to be the church. And being the church goes beyond these four walls. The church isn't this place. The church is us. And so when we leave, we take the church with us. But how active is the church outside of Sunday? What is the church doing? What difference is the church making in the world? You know, it was Bill Hybels who said, I wholeheartedly believe that the local church is the hope of the world unto salvation. See, God sent us, you and I, we're here for a reason. You're in that seat for a reason. Maybe you feel like you stumbled in this morning. Maybe you feel like you're just here because a friend is here or a family member or you saw us on the internet or you knew a person who knows a person who goes to an Equipers church and you were in Wellington for the weekend, so here you are. But you're here for a reason because God wants to use you to change the world. See, here's the thing. Let's declare and decide in our spirit that we're going to be the church, that we know who we are, that we are the ecclesia, that this building can fall down, but praise God, our God still rules and reigns. And we are here. We are His bride. We have intimacy, so we focus on God. We have protection, so we can be ministered to and build each other up. And we have rights because of Jesus, so we can bring Jesus to the world. See, just as everyone closes their eyes and bows their heads. This morning, I don't know about you, maybe you're here and if you're honest with yourself, you know that in your life, the church has been missing. Maybe you've had a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe he's, he's just there and you talk to him every now and then. But, but you know in your life, the church isn't making a difference in the world. 
Or you know that in your life, the church needs to make more of a difference. I know in my life, the church needs to be more present in my day to day. I need to know, I need to think of myself as the church is in my workplace now. And so this workplace is going to change because I'm bringing the church here. The church is in this relationship now. And so this relationship will change because the church is here. See, here's the thing. We are the most powerful tool God has to change this city. That's why he sent us here. But a tool that stays in the toolbox isn't going to build anything. So this morning, if you're here and you're like me and you know, man, I need to take myself out of the box and put myself back into the game. I need to change my world. I need to change my workplace. I need to change my relationships. I need to bring a hope and a future to those who currently don't know it. In a minute, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. And I want to ask us to stand to our feet, not because standing is important, but because an action speaks to us in a way that words can't. An action says to us, no, we're not going to sit down anymore. We're not going to be on the sideline anymore. We're not going to watch anymore. I'm going to get involved. Maybe you're already involved. Stand and say, man, I'm staying involved. I'm not hanging back. I'm not slithering away. I'm not, I'm not getting out of this. I'm stepping forward and I'm pushing forward because I carry a hope that others need. So this morning, if that's you, if you know that you need to make a difference in the world, that God has called you to do more than just exist, more than just coast by, more than just live day to day and then finish it all out, but that you're here to be a change, that you're here to be the church, why don't you stand with me now? Awesome. Awesome. As you keep your, your heads bowed, your eyes closed, why don't you raise your hands? I'm going to pray a prayer for us and the band's going to lead us in a song. God, we stand here this morning as your bride. God, blameless in your sight. God, we can't earn this love. We don't deserve it. But we don't focus on our iniquity. We focus on your glory. We don't focus on our lack. We focus on your mercy. We don't focus on where we feel weak. We focus on your strength. God, we know that you have called us for a reason, that we are in this building, we are in this city, we are in the relationships that we're in for a reason, God, that you have placed us here to be the change this world needs to see. God, and we will not wait for anyone else to come along. We won't wait for change to come somewhere else. We won't wait for someone else to rise up somewhere else. We choose today to be the change that we know this world needs to see. We choose to be the love. We choose to be the hope. We choose to be the mercy. We choose to be the grace. We choose to be the ones who will stand and not step back. We choose to be the ones who will step forward and not hide. We choose to be the ones who will shine and not cover the light. We choose to be the ones who will, who will hurt even though it, it means that we will hurt, that we will love the, the broken, that we will go to the, the dirty, that we will be Jesus in our world. God, and as we're here and as we step out in your name, give us strength. Remind us of who we are. God, help us not to buy into the lies that we're something less when you have made us more. That someone else should when you've called us to do it. Help us to step forward. Give us urgency. Give us strength. Help us to rely on each other, to, to lean on each other, to spur each other forward. Help this church, God, make this church a place where we encounter God and we follow Jesus that we meet with you here and we, we follow you for the rest of the week, that, that, that 2017 will be different.
who's equipped his church Wellington stepped into their God-given mandate and said, we will be a church that will make a change. God, give us strength. God, give us boldness. God, make us love. Thank you, Jesus, that it's not in us, but it's in you. In Jesus' name, we, your bride, say amen.